This morning, I'm going to continue the series of this weekend of intimacy and thirsting for intimacy in our relationships. And this morning, I invite you to turn me in the opening text in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And the presentation entitled this morning is Hiding from Intimacy. Hiding from Intimacy. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. So last night we talked about facing the pain, how many times we seem to run away from our pain and our hurt and our struggles and not want to deal with them, or medicating the pain by taking different type of medications or behavior narcotics to numb the pain that we have. And this morning we'll be looking at hiding from intimacy. We are called to mingle with others and to win the hearts before we ask them to follow Jesus. And I realize, as I pastored in Hawaii, I realized that there are a great need for people to get out and to mingle in friendship evangelism. And a different type of evangelism I've seen that's out there, I realized that what is much needed more so is actually our members to go out and, and reach the people and come close to the people's hearts and reach their needs. And I feel that's the greatest need. And so, you know, I had all these different evangelistic programs and uh, bringing in teams of Bible workers and, you know, bringing out outside help. But then I realized, you know, that wasn't really solving the problem because what it did was it just let the members just pay and all they had to do is pay and watch everyone else who's paid do the work. And I realized that there was something missing within the church that our people are not experiencing going out and doing evangelism for themselves. So it doesn't really solve the problem by having a great program. So I started to think about what is the real cause of the problems within our churches, within my churches if I was pastoring. And I wanted to follow what Ellen White was saying, that there needs to be a reasoning from cause to effect. We're dealing with the symptoms. We want more baptisms, pay for people to come in, let them do the work from the outside. But what happens to these people when this team of workers leave the churches, which I was doing, and what happens to these people who are not connected to the members? And within two years, I saw one statistic up to 70% of them end up leaving. So I'm thinking about, it's not solving the root cause. You're dealing with the symptoms. You're just dealing and popping up another drug medication to make it look like it's a church is doing good and bringing another medication. And it doesn't solve the root cause. And I felt like in my ministry, I want to discover what is the root causes in everything that I do. Like what is really going to solve the real problems I see within the churches. And I felt, okay, the issue is that there needs to be members. They need to go out and they need to have good intimate relationship. And that will bring them in. I started to have classes on how to have intimate relationships with people. How to make friends, right? We're following the principles of FORT, F-O-R-T, right? Remember that? Family, occupation, right? Recreation, testimony. Use these different techniques so members can learn how to make good conversations with people and lead them to Christ. So I did that, and then I realized, wait a minute, there's something even deeper than that. Because many of these people don't even want to have intimate friends with other people. And then I realized this is an issue of an emotional health issue. And I realized that our churches is just like the world. People need emotional healing. And that hit me like, wait a minute, there's something deeper here. And then it was a quotation that I found from the Spirit of Prophecy that said, and I shared it last night. Nine-tenths of illnesses has its foundation in the what? Mind. Then I thought about it. Okay, the true health message, right? Healing 
is not in the physical, because that's only 10%. But the true health message was actually in the healing of the mind. In other words, negative emotions, such as bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, grief, depression, anxiety, all these different negative emotions, this is actually what is hindering from, I felt, my church members from going out because these are unhealed emotions and not have. This was, I felt, this was the health message that I felt that I've been searching for my whole life. I graduated from Weimar College. You know, I was very much into the health message, you know, 15 years ago, so I understand it. And so, but I felt like I was missing this. I was hitting the 10%, but I was missing the, the 90%. And so I swung to a different direction, I felt, in my ministry. This was a card I, I hit that I felt was missing in our church. And as I go to different places, I realized it was not only in Hawaii, but it's everywhere. And so, this morning, we'll be looking at hiding from intimacy. A... Young lady came to our church and had call portal programs. Um, she came to watch our call portal program with our young people. So she joined in and she was using the program. Um, I got a call from my call portal leader that came to, that uh, called me. And she said that this young lady who had come to the program, she was creating a lot of problems. She wasn't getting along with any of the, the call porters and uh, giving her a hard time, and none of them could actually help her. They all tried to help her out, but she's giving her a hard time. She's being mean. She's being cruel. She's not being very nice. And so I came down to see how it was, and I realized that this was actually true. They weren't being nice. Um, she was being mean. She was being obnoxious to the other students. And I felt like, wow, I really couldn't help her at that time. I left, and then later on, about a year later, and I got into the healing message, I was invited to speak at a church. And it happened to be her church. And so I, I preached at this church. And I was preaching at the end of this service. I called for an altar call and healing. Emotional healing found in James chapter 5 where you pray and you anoint with oil. Yes, it's talking about physical. But it also says if you have committed sins, let them confess it and be forgiven. I'm talking about spiritual healing. So I called for an altar call for healing. And this young lady who had made a lot of problems within my call portal program, she came for the altar call. And so afterwards, I gave biblical advising, and I met with her, and I talked with her. And then she said this. She said, you know what, Pastor? I don't have any close friends. And the reason why I don't have any close friends is because I built up a wall around my heart because I've been hurt so many times in my past. And that's the reason I don't have any close friends. You know, it really confirmed to me that it's so true. Because she had been hurt so many times in her heart, she built a wall around her heart. And it's not like the members needed more classes on how to make good friends and how to have intimacy, right? If they don't even want intimacy. If that's clear, let me hear say amen. Amen? And so that's the direction I believe God is leading and we'll be studying this morning. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to understand is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So going back to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll be looking at this topic of hiding from intimacy. And we're going to start, go back to the story in Genesis chapter 3 and see how, what's happening here. So what did Adam and Eve do when God was looking for them? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Notice what the Bible says here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, what did they do? They hid themselves 
from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So whenever God walked within the garden and Adam and Eve was there, what would Adam and Eve do every time they heard that God was in the garden? What do you think they would do? They'd run to God, right? Because they wanted to be with God. But here was in the circumstance, this is the first time it ever happened. After that sin, in verse 8, the Bible says here that they hid themselves. In other words, they ran from the presence of God. In other words, before that, they would get so excited to see God and their heart would be beating like, I get to spend time with my Creator, whom I love, because they had an intimate relationship with God, right? And they wanted that. But here for the first time, they actually, you see them running from intimacy with God. And they actually wanted to hide from intimacy, which is the title of this presentation. They wanted to hide from intimacy. And the same way today, there are many people who are hiding themselves from having any intimacy with God. One of my church members came up to me and she said to me, I'm such a private person that not only do I not open up myself to my own husband, but I can't even open up myself to God. Why did Adam hide himself from God's presence? Look at verse 10, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Notice the Bible says, So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. God said, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was what? Afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In other words, he was afraid, right? And before that time, the Bible said they were naked and what? Not ashamed, right? Naked. In other words, they're totally intimate, transparent, and they were not ashamed. But now we're coming to a point here that they were ashamed now, and they're hid, and they're, they're afraid. In other words, they're fearful what? They're fearful that they're going to get hurt, right? From God. And the same thing happens today. People today, they, we, we get so hurt by what happened to us in our past. We build up a wall around our heart to protect our hearts from having any intimacy with those all around us. And you put it brick by brick. What happens to you one at a time? When I was younger, I remember my first girlfriend. How many of you remember your first girlfriend or boyfriend? Let me see your hands out there. <laughs> Maybe next to your boyfriend or girlfriend. I understand that. You can still raise it. Be transparent and naked and unashamed. What do you say? Amen. <laughs> so I remember my first girlfriend. I mean, like, true girlfriend. I had, you know, maybe a couple ones and crushes, right, of course. There I was, my true first, gave my heart to her when I was 13 years old, right? <laughs> so here I was with my first girlfriend, and no, I just like, almost like I fell in love with her. You know how that is, right? Your first love. Puppy love, they call it. And it went on, and it was going good. But you know what? You know the heartbreak that happened to me? When we had gone out, and we were on a group of friends, and she ended up liking someone else. We went out in a group together. And it broke up, and she ended up being with him. You know that pain? How many know what that feels like? Let me see your hand out there. Okay, I'm not alone here in Advent Hope. Amen. <laughs> You're being naked and unashamed, right? That pain, that, that hurt, that feeling. And you know what happened to me, I realized? Before I knew God, I wasn't converted. I didn't have, you know what I did? I started to build up a wall around my heart. Why? Because I had been hurt, right? Just like Adam, right? 
I was afraid, right? Afraid of being hurt again. So he built up a wall. What did he do? He hid from intimacy with God. So what happens is, and then your diagram in your handout inside your bulletin, if you look at that handout, right? I kind of wrote it out for you. So when you're hurt, you hide or isolate yourselves. You build up walls around you, right? And when that's not enough, what happens next? Whenever you build a wall around your heart to protect your heart, the very thing you think is going to protect your heart, in the end, is the very thing that ends up hurting you in the end. Did you know that? And when you do that, there's a loss of intimacy because whenever you build up a wall around your heart, there is automatic and always a loss of intimacy. So when there's a loss of intimacy within you, in your life, you know, the greatest need, I believe, not only in America, but within the Adventist church, is a huge loss of intimacy. I've had several members tell me, at different times, tell me that I'm their only friend. And they're not all alone. Everywhere I go is the same story. There is a huge loss of intimacy. And that reflects and shows that is proof that there is unhealed emotional wounds from the past that's affecting our present. And I realized that in my own life, that every time I had another relationship, even though that person did that new relationship with that girlfriend did not do anything directly to hurt me at all, I was still living as if protecting my heart of living in the past, of what had happened to me in my past, and my wall was still up. And though they never hurt me, but they, I would not open up because there was still that fear of Adam, right, of being afraid of being hurt. Am I all alone? <laughs> Have you experienced the same thing? I may not be a boyfriend or girlfriend, but may have been your mom. Maybe it been your dad. May have been your friends at school. May have been your co-workers or your boss at work. Whatever it may have been, something is hindering us. And the symptom is this. You know, we need to look at health, you know, physical health. When there are symptoms that show that you're, you, know, you got headaches or you got a certain rash, that's just a symptom. You don't do medication to just, just take away the symptom, right? It's kind of like you had a nuclear plant, right, in Japan. And like whenever like the, um, there's a problem, it's almost like the red light for like a nuclear meltdown would shine and the siren would go on. It's almost like we put the siren on and screaming that there's going to be a meltdown. Instead of doing something, we take a sledgehammer and we smash that red light, right? we got a headache and we take something to numb the pain of the headache, right? But it's showing us that something else is wrong with your body, right? Physically, right? And deal with the root cause, reason from cause to effect. Spiritually and emotionally, it's the same thing. If there's something that happens, if our relationships, if we're getting irritated with our children, if we have impatience with those around us, if we actually are um, getting angry or we're putting a cold shoulder with our husbands or our wives or our boyfriends or girlfriends or getting livid at our boss or our co-workers or classmates, whatever it is, those are symptoms, that there's a deeper root cause that needs to be addressed and healed. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. And that's what God wants to the reason is from cause to effect. I had a man I asked for an altar call and it came up for healing and I was talking with him and praying with him. I asked him, what do you want me to pray for? And he was in his 70s. And he said to me, my father divorced me when I was five years old. I can tell you story after story. As if they're living as if they're still five years old. 
And many of us don't even deal with that. We actually stuff it down and ignore it and pretend it's not there. And many of us even actually forget the bad things as a defense mechanism so that we won't hurt so much. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 6. John chapter 4, verse 6 in your Bibles. We're going to look at the woman at the well, one of my favorite stories here. John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. When did this woman come out to get water? John 4, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says here, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. So what time of the day was this? Noon. Okay, the day started at 6, and 6 hour would be 6 plus 6 would be 12 noon, right? So, no, it is very hot here in Loma Linda for me from Hawaii. Do you know that? <laughs> so, what time of the day? This was 12 o'clock, right? So, was this a good time of the day to come out in the high desert here of the art? No? No. So, what time would you come out? Morning. Okay, good. Or evening because it's cooler. That's when I want to come out here, right? Those who brave to come here in this hot day. But she came out in the middle of the day. Why do you think she came out in the middle of the day? Because why? No one was there. Why do you think she wanted to come out when no one was there? People were probably gossiping about her. Why? Because we're going to learn about in the story, right? Certain things happen, right? So people were gossiping about her. She wanted to come out. And in fact, we told in the Bible that they were all alone, right? And this woman... How did this woman try to fill her hunger for intimacy? Look at verses 16 and 18. Notice the Bible says here. John chapter 4, verse 16 and 18. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is, is not your husband, and that which you speak is true. So this woman was seeking for intimacy through relationships, did she not, right? So in other words, she got married. She's seeking for this intimacy that, of love and intimacy in a relationship, in marriage. Did she find it? She got divorced, right? Then she got married again, seeking for another person, and then it didn't work out. She was numbing her pain through relationships. And then she got a divorce, and then she got married again, another relationship. And then she got a divorce. And then another relationship and divorce. Another relationship and divorce. She has so, been hurt so much by marriages and relationships that she had totally thrown out the window commitment. And now she was living with her boyfriend in sin, the Bible says, right? And that's where she was. Her heart was so broken. She had built up barriers all around her. She didn't want to be hurt anymore. And she thought that she could have even intimacy through sex. But sex is not intimacy. You know what the definition of intimacy is? Into me see. Into me see. In other words, being open, real, and transparent with the person whom you love and married for the rest of your life. What do you say? Amen? Amen. To be open, real, and transparent also with God also. That is true intimacy. Thus, in order for intimacy of sex to become really beautiful, both partners must first share their innermost thoughts and feelings with each other first. Believe that, let me say amen. Amen? amen. Now, 
Why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus tell her? She was begging for water, wasn't she? She said, please, sir, give me this living water. If someone was to come to you and ask you, please, tell me the truth. Please, give me the gospel. Please, give me this living water. What would you normally do? You would what? You give her the living water, the gospel, right? But Jesus didn't do that. And I thought about this. Why did he answer her question? Why did he give her the gospel right there? Why did he give her the truth? Instead, what did he do? He went on a different direction. You know, do you believe that Jesus did things just to do things? Do you think he had a purpose in everything he did? He had a purpose. In other words, he didn't answer her question directly. He went on a total different pathway. And this pathway was this. It was actually to lead her to deal with her past broken relationships of her unhealed emotional wounds. If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? He wasn't just telling her just to show off his knowledge. No, Jesus was there to actually have a specific purpose. And this is the master plan, I believe, of reaching people's hearts. What do you say? Amen? In order for her to really experience the true living water, he first had to deal with her past broken relationships. That's why he said, go call your husband. And then she tried to change the subject, right? She said, well, I have no husband. End of story, short answer, right? Period, right? And then he didn't stop there. He continued to press the issue, and he kept going back to press the issue and say, yeah, that's right. You have had five husbands. Going back to each broken relationship. And that's how healing begins. There is a solution, but you must go back and give what the brokenness of your past, and you must be honest with yourself and with God and give it to God. Now, this conversation was getting too deep. So what did she do? John chapter 4, verse 20. You know what the Bible says here? John chapter 4, verse 20. It was getting too deep on the emotional level, but notice what it says here in verse 20. She said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. So he's dealing with her past brokenness and unhealed emotional wounds. And what did she actually do? She what? She changed the subject. You know, it's almost like people are, you know, I think about the bank robber, right? He's running out of the bank and he's pointing back at the bank. And he said, look over there, someone is robbing the bank. <laughs> and he runs away with the money. He's creating a diversion, right? Distraction. In other words, it was getting too close to her heart. It couldn't handle it. It couldn't deal with it. And because it was too painful to deal with, she ran from it from all her heart. She ran away from the situation. And that's what she wanted. And she wanted to deal. And the way she did it was, she wanted to deal with theological issues. She wanted to focus on a doctrinal controversy. Because that's a mere intellectual assent. That's what she wants, a cerebral experience. She wanted to have a controversy with Jesus. But I want you to notice with this. Look at the handout. Notice what it says here. Manuscript releases 17, page 143. Notice what it says here about doctrines. It says here, there needs to be far more lessons in the ministry of the word of true conversion. In other words, there needs to be more true topics about and discussions and, and sermons and, and teaching more about true conversion, issues of the heart. That's what you need to have. Then of the arguments of the doctrines. You believe that? Let me say amen. Amen? amen. I'm going to read it again because it may be new to you. 
There needs to be far more lessons in the ministry of the word of true conversion than of the arguments of the doctrines. Why? For it is far easier and more natural for the heart that is not under the control of the Spirit of Christ to choose doctrinal subjects rather than the practical. Can you hear amen? Amen? In other words, the unconverted heart don't want to talk about the heart issues. The unconverted heart wants to talk about theological debates. The unconverted heart wants to get involved with you about politics. Because it's all up here. And the greatest journey for a Christian is the 18 inches from the head to the heart. It's the practical that matters. You know, Jesus was hitting the heart. It was hitting home with her. She's being convicted that there are things in her life that she needs to be healed from because her past was affecting her present happiness. And her past was affecting even her future happiness. And as a pastor, I was realized, wait a minute, I can help them in the home and they get to a problem. And six months later, there's another problem in the same home. And it's almost like I'm dealing with the symptoms. I'm running around in a church doing symptoms, symptoms, symptoms. And we're not dealing with the root causes. And we need to go back and reason from cause to effect. And when people experience healing in their lives, that's when they really can move forward. That's when God really moves in a powerful way. And I've seen it many times in my life and in others. You see, people who like to fight over doctrines or push their methodologies onto others at church are the very ones with the most unhealed emotional wounds. And thus, rather have intellectual discussions rather than talk about real-life Christianity. Do you know anyone like that? <laughs> I've seen it myself a time or two. You see, what this woman wanted to do was she wanted to test if Jesus was safe or not. She had a barrier around her heart to protect her heart. She wanted to make sure that she could trust Jesus because they were already going in a good direction and Jesus went into her, her personal life, deep into her personal issues. And what she did was she wanted to redirect and what she wanted to do was that she wanted to make a test as if if Jesus was to just pass this test, then I can open up my heart to him and I can trust him. Because this woman had trust issues. She couldn't trust because she's been hurt so many times and now here comes this, this person, a prophet, I perceive he's a, you're a prophet, but yet she felt that she couldn't trust him. So she had to make a criteria and here was a criteria about which mountain, which was the right mountain. Is the 144,000 literal or symbolic? Can you hear amen? What do you say, Amen. <laughs> Which is the right mountain? Hmm. And that's what she did. She ran from intimacy. And the dangerous thing was that she was using religion as a means to justify her desire and a choice to run from intimacy. Even more of a great self-deception because she's right in her mind. And which is the right way? And what is the wrong way? This system brings in a, an ideal breeding ground for religion without relationships. And even worse, it uses God's authority to justify their behavior. And thus they end up believing what they want to believe. I had a 
church member who always did this thing, was always into the new light, was always into the feast days, the lunar sabbaths, shepherd's rod. <laughs> we never heard of shepherd's rod. Came out of a branch Davidians. And so she invited them over, flew the general conference president of the shepherd's rod to our church, have Bible studies in the home, invited all the members, the ex-general conference president of shepherd's rod, the the evangelists of Shepherd's Rod, and all these different groups, and they came in. And I realized that what she really was doing was that she is the woman at the well. She got married. She got divorced. She got married. She got divorced. Her daughter flew all the way from Hawaii, all the way. She left the home all the way to Florida, as far as she could get away from her, her own mom. Because she was focusing on the theological issues and I realized the only thing that wakes the people up is when their children finally lead them and don't want nothing to do with them and they leave the church. That's the only thing that wakes them up. And sometimes we need to question what we believe by our experiences, whether what we believe actually works in our life or whether it doesn't work. And we need to question if our religious beliefs is feeding our hidden desires to hide ourselves from intimacy. She was building up walls and using religion as a means. And we may use politics. We may hide behind many things. We may hide behind our careers, our degrees, and whatever it may be. And all as a means to determine who we can trust and who we cannot. And that's what the women of the world did here. There was an abusive person in church. And this abusive person, you know, you hear about them in our churches, patriarchs and matriarchs, right? And this abusive person kept abusing and putting down the elder. Like the elder couldn't do anything right. You know, he's doing this wrong, he's doing that wrong, and just talking bad about the elder and everything that he was doing. And then the elder he kept rebuking and putting down committed suicide. His own daughter, this person who was rebuking the elder, the person who was rebuking the elder, his own daughter, two years later, also committed suicide. And after that, his son left the home and doesn't want anything to do with his father. Beloved, if there ever a time we need healing in our church, that time is now. What do you say? Amen? Amen. How did Jesus deal with this woman running from intimacy? Look at verse 21. John chapter 4, verse 21. Notice the Bible says. The Bible says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. What do you say? Amen? In other words, not this mountain, nor that mountain, but it's in the future, it's not going to need the mountain. In other words, he didn't get involved directly with the theological issue. And I realized this. You know, before, I was right there with the issues. You know, when the shepherd's rod came to my church, you know, we'd be back and forth with the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. But you know what? I realized I could never change their minds. And I realized a lot of these people really are hurting. And they're putting up barriers 
around themselves and other people, especially in present truth circles. They're hurting. That's the root cause. So now when I deal with these people, I'm not hitting them head on with, with the teachings in the Bible and the spirit prophecy, though I may share it. Because once I share something, they jump around to change the subject to another text. Then I go in this direction where they're at and they change it to another one. It's like you can't really catch them up. They don't want you to catch them. So I realized the way to reach them is to reach them on their personal lives, like Jesus did, and follow Christ's method alone. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And when you reach them and help them realize, wait a minute, is your religion really working in your home? Right? One well-ordered home, right? Disciplined home does more for the gospel, right? Than all the sermons preached in the world. Can you hear an amen? 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 So is it really working, right? Is it really working in your home? How's your relationship with your children? That's the question to ask. How's your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your husband? How's your relationship with your parents? How's your relationship with your brothers and sisters? Where are they? Are you guys living around the same area or they want to flee from you and be far away from you? How are your relationships is the key word that we need to ask. I believe that's what God wants us to ask that question. Look at verse 29 and 30. What happened because of this? The woman experienced healing and knows what happened. She said, she went back to her town. She said, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In other words, all the city came out to see Jesus. And look what happens in 39. And the Bible says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. In other words, this woman, she had not received not even one class on how to win people for Jesus. She had not even received one of my classes on how to give a Bible study. She had not even received one class of how to do call portal work. She had not received one, not even one class, and yet she brought a whole city to believe in Jesus. Can I hear amen? Amen? And yet I feel like many of us, we've been after class of the class of the class and we haven't even brought one person to Jesus. And could it be that maybe that's not so much I need to learn better techniques and tricks and tips on how to manipulate or guilt trip people into the church. But maybe I need to have a true experience of healing because when she was healed, that he told me all that I that ever was. Amen. He dealt with my past broken relationships that no one knew about and no one talked about it with me. Finally, I found someone who actually understood me and could relate with me and help me to heal. When she experienced that healing, then she was able to go out and she was able to go out in a powerful way because she had experienced healing in her life. And I want that healing. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Amen. And that was the power. And that is so powerful when we experience that in our lives. Now we think that's just for us, for her. But turn to Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Let's look at Bible prophecy here. Revelation 13, verse 11. How does everyone see the second beast of Revelation 13 to be? Notice the Bible says. The Bible says here, that Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a what? Dragon. So another beast, beast represents what? A nation, right? Coming out of the what? Earth is a opposite of sea, which is a relatively uninhabited area, right? And then it says he had two horns like a what? Lamb. lamb. Now, who is the lamb in the Bible? 
Jesus. So, looks like a Christian on the outside, right? But it spoke like a what? Dragon. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. So what one says in your mouth reveals what's in your what? Heart. So it speaks like a dragon means that it has the heart of a what? Dragon. So on the outside, it looks like a Christian nation, right? But the inside, it has the heart of a what? Dragon. And my question is this. In other words, pretending to be something it is not. But my question is this. Why do you think that the whole world, basically most of the whole world, will believe that this beast is really like a lamb? Why do you think that's so? Could it be possible that this beast doesn't want everyone else to know that it has the heart of a dragon? Do you think so? Do you think that it actually doesn't want anyone to know that it has the heart of a dragon as a nation, right? In other words, it is not transparent. It doesn't want to be transparent. It wants to hide any leaks, right? But what is a nation made up of? We're talking about a nation here, right? What is a nation made up of? People. So in the Bible, he was talking about this nation. It was really talking about you and me here this morning. It's talking about us who are pretending to be something that we're not. And not only that, but in other words, it's talking about a people who actually want to hide from intimacy. In other words, it doesn't want no one to know who they really are. They don't want to be transparent. They don't want to be real. They're hiding all that within who they really are. In other words, they are naked and they are ashamed. That is Bible prophecy. That is what we're prophesied to be here in the last days. What is the solution? My favorite text. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Please turn me to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. This is how God reveals his love to us. And that when we have become perfect, Christ died for us. <laughs> Amen. What the gospel, huh? <laughs> so great. When you have become perfect, you've done everything right, then God will love you and he died for you, right? Is that what it's saying? What is it saying? When you were a sinner imperfect, broken, wounded. God loves you wherever you may be at. What do you say? Amen? Amen. In other words, you can be totally transparent with God and He's still going to love you. What do you say? Amen? Amen? You can be transparent with God. You can be real with God. In other words, here's a person, all your whole life, you had to put up a front. You had to, we're going to talk about that this afternoon. Take away the stone. But his whole life you've been put up, you have to put a facade, you have to put a mask on, you have to put this all on. Here's a God that actually comes and wait a minute, you don't have to do none of that. You don't have to look good on the outside. But here's a God that comes and says, I'm going to love you exactly where you're at. What a God, amen? amen? And when you realize that there's a God who loves you wherever you may be at, and guess what, he's not a God, he's not going to come down and he's not going to put you down for what you're doing wrong. In other words, he's not going to hurt you. 
There's no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Can you hear amen? 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 There's no reason to be afraid of God, to be fearful of God because God loves you and He accepts you exactly where you're at. Unlike anyone else in the past, unlike anyone of your past boyfriends or girlfriends or your husband or your wife, there's no one actually who accepts you exactly as you are as there is God out there. And when you realize that love he, and that He accepts you wherever you may be at, God would then do a miracle and then He'll heal you and then you no longer have to be fake anymore. You know, our daughter, when we travel, she likes to go out and she likes to make friends easily and just go roam around. And I see her on a table all alone talking to these young adults and um, she just likes like a social butterfly everywhere. And several people have told me that wherever we go is that, you know why your daughter likes to go out and make friends with this anyone? And, you know, they'd be in a table all alone with a, her and a young adult just talking all by themselves, just the two of them, way in the corner at Potluck or wherever. And they told me, well, you know what it is? Why your daughter does that? And they said, because she's secure in her parents' love. And beloved, when we're secure in our Father's love, our Heavenly Father's love, there will become upon us a holy bonus. What do you say? Amen? In other words, you'll be secure. When you experience the security of, of resting in your Father's love, when you are in your Father's love, you're not going to be afraid. If God calls you to do something, you're not going to be afraid to do it. Can you hear amen? Amen? When you're secure in your Father's love, you're not going to be hiding from intimacy with your husband or with your wife or your bro- boyfriend or girlfriend or even your friendship or your brothers or your sisters. You're going to be naked and unashamed. And that's what God wants with all of us. I believe this morning. Some of you may know I was on medical disability for a year and a half. I just got off this year. It's a long road. And I often wonder why God allowed it. At first, the doctors didn't even know what was wrong. And I went the natural remedies route. And I learned a lot. And even all my connections, no one could help me. And I realized there was a lot of pain and and bitterness and questioning why God allowed all that to happen. But you know, I realized that we're not to look at our circumstances or our experiences of what's happening all around us to determine how much God loves us. But Romans 5 verse 8, we should always look at what He did for us on the cross to determine how much He loves us. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And that's where by faith in what His Word says and what His love revealed in His Word on the cross, that is what we need to depend upon, not what our experiences and what we're seeing with our feelings and our, everything around us. And that's the only thing that brought me through. And I questioned why, and, you know, we had to move town to a different place, back to my hometown where I, was, I grew up in, in Hilo, Hawaii. My family's from, they all lived there, and I, the past, I guess, 18 years, I kind of just left my family, and I was so busy doing ministry that I was never able to reach them. And, you know, I had evangelistic meetings, I do everything possible to bring my, my family out to that, I drive an hour to Hilo, and drive and pick up my sister, drive her hour out to the evangelistic meeting at my church and take her to the meetings. And when it was done, I would drive her back an hour back to Hilo, an hour back, just to 
bring them to church. This would bring them to the meetings. But none of that worked. I was so busy doing ministry, you know, saving souls. And for the last 18 years, I've been praying for my family. Just praying. Lord, do whatever it takes to save my brothers and sisters. And then I got sick. And then we moved back. And God began to do something when I moved back home about a year and a half ago. He started to do miracles in my family. After a while, they become open to me. Where before, they were very close to me. And they're very open. And my sister started to open up and my brother. And, and then finally, one day, I was talking with my brother. We talked for like an hour, two hours a day because, I mean, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> Medical disability. And he'd come an hour or two hours a day and we would talk. And then one day, out of the blue, he just said this to me. And he said, I would never forgive you for what you did. I said, what? So I'll never forgive you for what you did the day that dad died. I said, what did I say? You know, in my family, they got into a big fight. My brother and my sister, a fist fight. On my dad's, in front of my dad when he was dying. The emotions were charged. And he thought I said something differently. But I said, no, I, I didn't say that. I said this. He goes, oh, I thought you said this. I said, no, I didn't. I wouldn't say that. And I'm sorry for saying that. Apologize to him. I knew it was strange, but I couldn't figure it out. You know, you ever wonder why, right, things are happening? But I couldn't figure it out, and I, I was actually just wondering, why was my brother not being intimate with me as he was when we were kids? And then finally we went to our family's gathering. And my brother is the one I find out, is the one that actually telling everyone that we need to reconnect with my, my brother here. And I thought to myself, what if he had died in the future? 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And what if we're there and I'm at his funeral? And what if I'm there and, I'm, and he had died and we've never been intimate again? What if I had a question, what was it? Why? Why were we intimate like when we were kids? And I would never know if I had not gotten sick. And I think of the quote, often our plans fail so that God's plans may succeed. What do you say, Amen. Are you really serious about do whatever it takes to save your family? Then God will do it. What do you say, amen? amen? God wants healing for our homes and our families. The book of Revelation is a revelation of who? Jesus Christ. In other words, this is the revealing of Jesus Christ. In other words, God wants to reveal His innermost thoughts and feelings with you this morning. What do you say, Amen. That's what Revelation, you know, he wants to be intimate. He initiates that and he wants that with you. Not only that, but we're told in Revelation that there will be 144,000 who have no guile or deception, right? In the mouth. In other words, they're not going to be pretending to be something they're not. Can you hear amen? Amen? They're going to be real with God. They're going to be real with each other. And God's going to do a mighty work in them. His last day people, I believe that. They'll be completely transparent and vulnerable as to who they really are. I'm looking forward to that day. How about you? What do you say? Amen? God wants healing. And it begins with me. And God's been continuing healing me. This is really my story. And I've hurt many people because I've been hurt. 
Unless the abuse experiences, experiences healing, the abuse always becomes the abuser. And the sins are passed down to the third and fourth generations. Unless that is stopped, you continue the cycle. And God wants that to stop in your life, in my life. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Kathleen's going to be singing a song. And I'm going to be reading just the chorus. And it says here, Lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. O wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your hurt. Lay down your heart. Come as you are. What do you say? Amen? Because we've been hurt, we have hurt others and sinned against them. And not only that, but we have hurt the heart of God. For every time we sin, we, we crucify Christ afresh. And God wants us to put away all sin in our lives. What do you say? Amen? He wants to have pure hearts and pure, pure minds. But deal with the heart issues. Deal with the root cause rather than just the symptom. And the symptoms may go way back. It may go back to this week. It may even go back to this morning. But God can heal us from all wounds. What do you say? Amen? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.